Welcome to the Beyond the Box Roar podcast. In this episode, I interview Coach Bradley Fay. He's the Director of Basketball Operations at App State. Coach, how's it going? What's up, man? You doing all right? Yeah, doing well. Coach, you want to give yourself a brief introduction to the listeners? Yeah, uh, my name is Bradley Fay. Uh, I'm the Director of Basketball Operations for App State Men's Basketball. Uh, Headed my fifth season working for Dustin Kearns. Um, before that, I was the director of basketball operations at Presbyterian College. Before that, I spent two years uh, at Jacksonville University uh, as a graduate assistant for head coach Tony Jasic down in Florida. Uh, and then before that, I played four years of basketball at DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana uh, for coach Bill Finland and uh, grew up around the game and uh, wanted to get in coaching, so it all started in good old DePaul and, and Greencastle, Indiana. Good stuff. You mentioned growing up around the game. What, how were you first introduced to the game of basketball? Uh, so I'm from the south side of Indianapolis. So uh, if anybody's anybody listening is from the state of Indiana and played high school basketball, grew up uh, doing that, it's a, it's a big deal. You go to Basketball games, high school games, every Friday night, Friday and Saturday night. Um, and uh, my my grandfather, uh, Bob Kirkhoff, was actually in the Indiana High School Basketball Hall of Fame. He was a girls' basketball coach for 50-some-odd years uh, in the city of Indianapolis. And so I was going to basketball games uh, well before I could walk. And uh, so I grew up around it. Aunts and uncles all played it. And so – uh, you know, kind of, kind of got the bug early. You know, I wanted to be a coach. Uh, anybody that knows me, kind of got that vibe at a pretty early age. Uh, I think I was a little bit better coach at that age than I was a player, but it, it kind of worked out in the end. And uh, now I'm just, now I'm just living a dream. Yeah, I'm the same way. I was a bad player, bad coach, but slightly better coach, but not by much. <laughs> yeah, I. I wasn't very good either, but uh, I still go out and play manager games and stuff. And I'm sure some of the people listening will they, they'll either agree that I'm not very good, or I'm sure somebody has seen a manager score, manager box score somewhere where I may have popped off for a couple of buckets here and there, and they'll probably disagree with that. I love it. Talk about being recruited and playing for Bill Fenlon at, at DePaul. Uh, yeah, so. Like I said, I, I I grew up around the game. I knew I wanted to coach. Um, I didn't play a whole lot my junior year in high school. My senior year, our team was really good. Uh, it was filled with a bunch of athletes, man. Like I, I've got I had good friends. You know, Ryan Weber played Division One basketball. David Heckman played Division Two basketball. You know, Ryan went to Youngstown State and finished up at Ball State. And uh, David Heckman played four years at Lewis. Our starting five-man, Cole Toner, uh, played football at Harvard, got drafted in the fifth round by the Arizona Cardinals in 2016. Uh, our starting two-guard, Colin Hawk, played played baseball at Cincinnati. I uh, played with a couple underclassmen that went and played basketball. Another guy went to play tight end. Uh, so, like, our, our team was really good. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be a part of it. Uh, we, won, we, we, we won a lot of games, and uh, at the end of my senior year, you know, Coach Finland, 
Coach Oiler had kind of recruited me a little bit during the season. And, you know, spring recruiting, it gets a little dicey, right? And everybody, everybody listening knows that sometimes you miss out on recruits, and maybe I was a benefactor of that. And uh, I kind of wanted to choose between going to maybe a, a, a bigger school and being a manager, trying to learn from the best, or, you know, having the opportunity to go play at DePaul kind of uh, felt like a better idea for me to to go and uh, try and do it, try and learn as much as possible. Because, uh, like I said, I, I growing up, I always wanted to be a, a coach, a basketball coach. And so uh, I, I tried to choose the, the best path uh, for me. What's your best story about Coach Fenn? Oh, man. Uh, I, I, tell, I tell one story because I got – so like I after my college days, I, I coached AAU basketball uh, for George McKenzie on the South Side of Indianapolis. We 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 did a bunch of grassroots tournaments, and so I got a couple of technical fouls coaching that. But my only technical foul in my four year basketball career was in the NCAA tournament, uh, my junior year. It was in the second half. I think I. 12 points or something, and I hit a three in the corner. Granted, this is the NCAA tournament, right? The ball hadn't been in a little bit, like, uh, and I, I think we cut the lead two or something, and it came down and hit another three in the same corner the very next possession. And on the first three, the, the referee told me to quit talking, and on the second three, I, I, got, I got banked up, like four to play up one in an NCAA tournament game to, to, to go to, like, the Sweet 16 playing at the number one seed, Wash U. So, Coach Finley set me down and was like, hey, like, you will never play for me ever again if you get a technical foul at another NCAA tournament game. And, you know, unfortunately for me, we only played one more after that. But that interaction where everybody's going nuts in the locker room and water's going everywhere, and I'm kind of – yeah, I'm 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 going back and forth between super excited because we're still playing and uh, between that and getting my butt chewed out for getting a technical foul of four minutes to go, which I I deserve to get my butt chewed out, but uh, that that's that's a that's a good one. I love it. Who are the other coaches on staff during your time playing for the Tigers? Uh, Brian Euler uh, was an assistant. He was the one who did a. Uh, a lot of recruiting around Indianapolis. Uh, his father was a, a high school AD in the area. And, um, you know, he was one of those guys. He was a DePaul guy uh, through and through. He played there and was a good player. And, you know, always good with the players, uh, always good, kind of kind of doing exactly what a good assistant coach would do, right? Uh, you know, servant leadership making sure that we had everything that we needed to do uh, and to have to be successful. And uh, one of the other assistant coaches, Sean Hazley, uh, also played at DePaul. And he was a couple years just removed from college when he was helping out. And, uh, you know, Sean did a good job of of being able to connect uh, between the coaches and the players because he had just got done playing. So he was able to, to give – uh, maybe bridge that gap where you can give perspective for both both sides of the of the spectrum, right? You're in, in any former player who's who's young and gets into coaching, 
you know, is able to, to kind of maybe offer that same perspective, right? The, the perspective of, Hey, the head coach is not saying stuff just to say stuff, right? Like this is his job. This is his livelihood. This is how he provides for his family. And, you know, on the other spectrum, you know, the student athlete, like, you know, maybe it can get conveyed in a different message to, to really get across. And so Sean did a, a great job of that um, for, for my four years there. And, uh, you know, he went on to be a high school coach, coach Euler, he went on to be a head coach at, at, at Otterbein in Ohio. And so uh, good staff, good people. And that's the important part, right? Like we, we can sit here and talk about X's and O's and, and all that stuff, but, but coach Finland, coach Euler, coach Hazley, uh, uh, we, 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 meshed well uh, on and off the court. we got to do cool things. And uh, so I've always appreciated that. As a junior, like you mentioned, 2014-15, you helped the Tigers capture an NCAC tournament championship and earn a spot in the D3 national tournament. Besides that technical foul, what comes to mind when you think back about that season? Oh, man. Uh, you know – like I said, I, I was I was not a very good player. I I had good moments, um, but my junior year, I had, you know, I had I had started a little bit my sophomore year. I'd gotten hurt uh, in my junior year. You know, those are the kinds of the ups and downs, right? Of a, you know, a, a player, a four year player, and um, everybody has them. Everybody, everybody's gonna have trials and tribulations, whatever, and. Uh, and so my junior year, I did not have a good start to the to the season, and I remember just kind of getting in the gym and working, and you know I had a couple of older guys kind of really bring me along, and we had an all conference post player, all American. His name was Tommy Furnitz, uh, one of the nicest kids ever. But uh, when it came down to ball, like you know, he, you were going to listen to what he had to say. And so uh, he was kind of the head of the snake. And, you know, we had other guys, Bob Dillon, Connor Rich, Frank Patton, like we had older, basically leaders on the team. Um, they weren't going to just tell you what to do. They, they, they were never going to show you and they were going to bring you along. And, uh, you know, we had, we had a, a guy named Michael Nero who transferred in from IPFW, who was kind of the, the linchpin that, that kind of held everybody together. And, you know, what I remember most about that team is that we were just that we were, we were a team and, you know, we still got a group text and, and things like that. And, you know, in today's day and age with the transfer portal and, you know, guys coming and leaving and, you know, it's, it's a, it's a rarity to find, you know, a group of, you know, seven, eight, nine guys that, you know, eight years later, we're still in a group text together, right? And so, uh, I remember most about that is just it had a good year, got hot, um, kind of we had to win the we had to win the conference tournament, and you know the three teams we played in the conference tournament were are actually our only six losses all year. So I think we got swept by all three teams, and then we played them in the, the NCAC tournament, conference tournament, and and beat Wittenberg, beat Wooster, and then beat Ohio Wesleyan. So, uh, you know, what's cool about that is that I can still sit here and talk about it today, right? I, I know exactly what happened and all that stuff. And, 
you know, that's the cool part. That, that's why that's what college athletics is supposed to be about. And, uh, you know, I still cherish that today. Graduated from DePaul in 2016, uh, became a graduate assistant at Jacksonville, like you said. What was that process like for you to land a GA spot? And how many schools did you reach out to? Man, so the the the, the long story of it is when I was at DePaul, um, Coach Finland did a good job uh, of trying to help me market myself to put me in a position to uh, become a, a college basketball coach. And so Brad Stevens is one of the most famous alumni from DePaul University, and he was the head coach at Butler at the time. And they were coming off, obviously, back-to-back Final Fours. Um, Butler was kind of rolling. They, they, they That was the hot name. Coach Stevens was the hot name. Um, and they had a basketball camp every every summer for four weeks. And I got to know uh, a couple of those guys working working camps, and one of the guys that I got to know was was actually Dan Bure, who was the I think he was the director of analytics um, at Butler one of the years that I worked camp, and then the the, the following year that uh, I came out of college, Dan Bure had had joined Tony Jasic again in in Jacksonville, Florida. Tony Jasic was the head coach at. Um, IPFW, Indiana, Purdue, Fort Wayne, and then he had taken a job down at Jacksonville. And Dan Bure had actually been an assistant at uh, IPFW for for Dame Fife and Tony Jasic, and uh, he left to go be this director of analytics at Butler for a year. And then when when Jasic left to to go to Jacksonville, he joined him down there. So when I was looking for a GA spot, obviously I reached out to a bunch of people, right? Like. I went to work camps everywhere. I worked camps at Purdue. I worked camps at Indiana, University of Indianapolis. I went down to Clemson to work a camp. Uh, I worked the Steve Alford basketball camps. Obviously, I worked Butler. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where the, the jobs are hard, man. The the, the jobs are really hard, and you got to get lucky. And uh, I talked to, to Dan Bray a couple of times, and I say a couple, four, five, six times, and um, – you know, he finally, you know, got me in front of Coach Jasic, and you know that's the way it goes, right? You need somebody to to kind of stick stick your neck out, stick their neck out for you, and uh, that's why, like, when we have camps and stuff like that, I, I I try to I try to reach out as many people as possible, especially you know young guys trying to get in the profession because it's an easy way to get in front of. Um, college coaches it's an easy way to basically just be around right like that's what everybody's looking for people are just looking for you to be around and uh you can say whatever you want to say nobody's judging you you know on if you won the you know nba east you know championship for the nine and ten year olds but what they will do is they'll judge you on how you were in stations and how organized you were with your group and you know, what was your care factor, right? If you're over there on your phone and texting, not paying attention, like care factor is not very high. And so, uh, you know, you, you can say whatever you want to say. Like Dan Bray didn't have to call me. He could have called anybody. I mean, GA spots are hard, right? Uh, so I'd like to think that 
part of it was the way I conducted myself and and um, how much I cared at these camps and stuff because that that's what it is, right? They they're trying to put on a good product too. Uh, it's a way to reach out to the community and stuff like that. So I've got a little bit more of an importance on summer camps than maybe some, but it gave me my first job and um you know i got lucky and it, it's all you're asking for is an opportunity right and so uh i went down there and for two years and it was awesome I, I love jacksonville what are some of the most important things you learned from coach jessic during that first season with the dolphins yeah so coach jessic man he you want to talk about one of the good guys in the business uh you know he was he was really generous to me. Um, you know, like I said, I, I kind of just packed up all my stuff and moved from Indianapolis down to a city I'd never lived in before, working with people that I'd never worked for. Um, and so, you know, the, the one thing that I kind of learned from him is, you know, that there's, there's kind of multiple ways to skin a cat, right? Everybody can talk about X's and O's or recruiting or this, that, or the other, but, uh, the one thing that, you know, I always appreciate about him was that he was just a normal guy, right? He's just a – he wasn't too big time to, to talk to you in the office. He wasn't, you know, you know, asking you to do things that he wouldn't have done himself as a GA or as an assistant coach or uh, director of ops, whatever it is, right? Like, uh you know, he included me in on all the meetings, all the recruiting meetings, all the practice meetings, all the uh, scouting meetings. Hey, what do you want to do with the ball screen? What do you want to do with, you know, this post feed and stuff like that? And, you know, he may not have listened to everything I had to say, right? And everybody's a young gun and everybody thinks that they know more than everybody else. And, um, you know, but he he gave me a voice and, uh, you know, as a, as a GA and as a, as a, people are climbing the ranks through the profession, right? Like that's all you can ask for is, is someone who may not take every idea that you have, but uh, is willing to, to give you a seat at the table and listen to you. Uh, and like, if you had a good idea, he, he'd give you credit for it. He'd walk into practice and he, he wasn't above that. Right. And so that's, that was what was cool for me. Um, you know, and I was just, you walk into Jacksonville, Florida, right? And uh, A-Sun, everybody's trying to win. And there's probably some A-Sun coaches listening to this. Like everybody, you know, everybody's trying to win at a high level, right? And so, uh, you know, coming from DePaul and this is Division One basketball and, you know, you show up and, you know, there's you play on the road to, to, in the in the first, first game I was ever a GA, you show up and we're playing that. Denver in the in the ice hockey rink and you show up and there's you know packed stands and all kinds of stuff it's it's just a little bit of a different experience and so that's when you kind of get a shock of like oh snap like this is a this is high level basketball and so that was the only that that was that was really the 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 thing that I always appreciated about him and uh, I still appreciate that to this day he's a he's out as an assistant at, at Stephen F Austin and um and so he and I actually talked last week and. Uh, he 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 gave me a, a chance to sit at the table and learn as much as possible when uh, a lot of maybe GAs and, and lower-level staff members may, may not always get that opportunity. 
That's awesome. What do you remember about the recruitment of JD Note? Oh man. Uh so the 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 one thing about you know being a GA, right? And this is this is kind of what you know what I appreciated about Jacksonville is that you got to wear a lot of different hats, man. You were you were working out guys, you were uh you know helping with operations, you were ordering meals. Uh and then the other part of that is is making recruiting graphics, right? And so um you know, JD, he was at Newton High School, uh, just outside Atlanta, and uh, one of our assistant coaches, Aziz Ali, uh, who's now a high school coach up in Delaware, uh, he was recruiting JD, uh, and he always thought JD was super talented, and you know, it's just one of those things like, hey, you know, what's going on? Like, why is he getting overlooked? Why is he getting under recruited? Uh, and anybody that's recruited the the city of Atlanta knows there's a lot of good players, man. And and sometimes that you know you can miss them, right? And if you do your homework and uh, you really dig into you know and latch on to to, to some kids and and you know you trust your eyes, you may show up to uh, a live period event and he may be on the you know the the 65th court, right, playing at 8 a.m. on Sunday morning, but uh, you trust your eyes and you trust your abilities and, you know, you just basically out recruit people and you, then you can find kids like JD. And so, uh, Janad is his real name. That's what we always called him in the office, Janad. So, uh, yeah, that he was, man, you talk about a special player, special talent. Uh, he came to Jacksonville and, uh, great kid, uh, him and his mom, Stacy. And so, um, you know, he uber talented and, I, I don't have to really tell you much more after that, right? He goes to Arkansas, and I think everybody saw him hit the shot against Auburn when they were number one, and then Bud Walton, and the place went nuts, and he's standing up on the on the scores table with the shirt off. I'm like, man, wait, we've come a long way from Swisher Gymnasium. Uh, and so that, that, was a, that was a cool moment. That was a thrill moment. And so, um, you know, he, he's a he's – a, special talent on the floor, but he's just as hard of a worker off the court, man. Like, uh, always in the gym, always getting extra reps in. Uh, and the one thing that you can always say about JD is he loves basketball, right? And this day and age, sometimes we got a lot of basketball players that don't, that don't love basketball, but you can, you can never say that about JD, man. He's always in the gym, loves it, puts in the work, and, and now he's, he's reaping the benefits. It's great to hear. In 2018, after earning your master's degree from Jacksonville, you landed the director of basketball operations job at Presbyterian College in Clinton, South Carolina. What was your connection to PC, and what was your first impression of the college and the city of Clinton like? Oh, man. Uh, so, again, again, you kind of get lucky, right? And so I talked about, you know, working camps and how that got me to to, to Jacksonville. Um but one of the the my first summer camps I worked at Butler, uh, I think his title was director of basketball operations. I I, I feel bad because I don't even actually know. But his name is T.J. Saint, um, who's now in the G League, and he and uh, Dustin Kearns were uh, were were acquaintances. I think I think Dustin knew that T.J. had been in the 
in the college game for a little bit, and he'd asked he asked TJ maybe if he knew anybody that would that would come be the director of basketball operations at Presbyterian. Uh, coach had, Coach Kearns had just had the job for for a year, and they didn't have an ops guy, and they were just getting one, and it was it was part time, and it, it was. Um, you know, kind of a brand new, let's figure it out together type position. And, uh, you know, coach called me a couple of times and it's one of those things where, uh, you know, he, he tells me all the time, if you're not running to the next spot or if you're not running to the next job, uh, super excited, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. So uh, I had actually, like the day before, I'd got the ops job. I'd I'd accepted a, a junior college job out in Colorado, and uh, I was packing up all my stuff to to go do that. And uh, he called me and said, "Hey, you know," he kind of gave me the gig, and uh, so I went down to Clinton. Literally packed up all my stuff. Uh, they were headed to a foreign tour, so I got kind of like a list of chores to do before they went down to the Bahamas. So I I, I had a couple of things to do and. They got back from the Bahamas and uh, rolled into the the first team meeting uh, right there in the center of uh, Templeton Gymnasium in, in Clinton, South Carolina, and uh, the the rest was kind of history. But uh, you know, Clinton's a, a small town. It's a it's a little bit different. I had yeah, obviously I grew up in Indianapolis. I had just spent two years at Jacksonville University, where it's you know. 10 minutes to downtown, but it's 20 minutes to the beach and it's 15 minutes to South side. Like that's all Jacksonville. Right. And so then you show up to Clinton and there's a couple of stoplights and, um, you know, I like to tell the story, but it's kind of funny now looking back at it, but you know, I wasn't making a whole lot of money at all. Uh, and I, I had a meal plan to the, the, the cafeteria and I was living in a, uh, basically a bed and breakfast called the happy house. Uh, I didn't have any cell service. It was in the middle of the woods, and I was living with a, a women's basketball coach uh, and, and, a, and a football coach. And so, uh, you know, they talk about things that you do for, the, you know, the game you love. And so I joke about that. We we, we, we have a good laugh about the, the happy house and the App State basketball offices sometimes. So uh, Clinton was good to me, though. Uh, great people. You know, Presbyterian is, you know, smaller – I think maybe the smallest Division One uh, basketball school in the country. So that was a that was a little bit of an adjustment, but uh, people of Clinton were always great to me. Um, Presbyterian always have a, a you know spot in my heart for for the you know the time I spent there, and um, you know we won twenty games at Presbyterian, which uh, if if you know that history at all, that's that's really hard to do, and it'll be really hard to do again. So. Uh, super proud of that uh, and all that we accomplished there. So Presbyterian always have a, a special spot in my heart. You know, you mentioned winning 20 games at Presbyterian. It's a rare feat. I mean, that that is <laughs> quite the accomplishment. Yeah. Um, now, having a winning record in conference, advancing to the CIT quarterfinals that year, besides having players above your weight class, how the hell did you guys manage to win 20 games at Presbyterian? Like, <laughs> really? How? Uh, you know, man, it's a, it's, it's not going to be anything earth shattering, right? Like, yeah, my boss, Dustin Kearns, he, he's the best uh, I've been around, man. Like, 
just in terms of attention to detail uh, in all facets, recruiting, scouting, um, you know, kind of with the new wave of analytics, um, film study, film breakdown. You know, he's the absolute best. And I worked with the the assistants, you know, Pat Moynihan, Bob Zorg, Frank Young, uh, and and that just kind of trickled down to to those three and myself and uh, you know the the one thing that in in college athletics that I have seen in the in the limited amount of times I've been here right it's just staff cohesion and, and staff chemistry is so important and if if you can get everybody to to buy in to to one thing and that one thing is winning and you're not worried about who gets the success and, you know, you can strip back the egos a little bit, man, it's amazing what you can accomplish. And so, you know, that's the one thing that uh, I have always appreciated uh, working for Dustin is that no, nobody's higher up than anybody else. Um, a good idea is a good idea. And, 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 you know, we've got a saying it's amazing what, could be accomplished when when nobody gets the credit and so uh you know that that's that's certainly not every every reason why um or the only reason why we, we won 20 games but man uh if you kind of keep the main thing the main thing and the main thing is hooping and winning and uh the student athletes and making sure that they have a good experience then uh you know it kind of seems simple on the surface but you know, that, that sometimes gets lost in all this. Everybody's, you know, maybe chasing the next job or chasing a goal. Or, um, you know, if you don't put the, the time, energy, and effort into the the details and, and what it takes on an everyday basis, then you're going to miss some of that stuff. And so uh, that's what I'd say. You know, you can get caught up in, you know, facilities and, you know, resources and all that stuff. But if you truly – you know, pour into the student athletes and uh, try to get to know them, you know, beyond what they provide on the basketball court, then then you then you got a chance to to build trust and relationships and then you got a chance to do something special. And so um yeah, man, that, that was a cool that was a cool experience. Um and the Big South was freaking loaded that year. If you go back and you can look at it, uh the, the the big south that was a, that, that league was tough as hell that year and uh you know you still found a way to win 20 games so uh, so well said coach dustin kearns accepts the head coaching job at app state and unlike a larger number of coaches who do their staff dirty he actually brought you guys with him to app state were you at all concerned that he might not and when did you find out that he was leaving yeah, I mean, right, like it, it happens so fast and 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 you guys have all been a part of that or, or will be a part of it at some point. But, you know, nowadays nothing's a secret and everybody likes to be in the know and everybody likes to be the one to, you know, break news and this, that or the other. Uh, and so, like, you see a bunch of – you see a bunch of stuff on the internet and – you know, sometimes, right, like where there's smoke, there's fire. Like I get some of that. Um, and sometimes things that are said that are maybe half true or half not true, whatever. 
Uh, but then, like, there's also things that are said that, like, no, like, I'm sitting right here. Like, I'm I'm pretty sure that none of that stuff is true, right? So it's tough to it's tough to to kind of cipher through all that stuff because, uh, you know, like I said, right, we were, we were playing in the CIT. Uh, you know, it, it never it's never easy, right? It's it, like we're playing the CIT and we find out like Sunday at like two in the morning after the NCAA tournament selection, after the NIT, after the CBI, CIT, whatever, that we're like going out to Seattle in like two days. Well, getting from Clinton, South Carolina to Seattle, Washington, uh, with 25 people isn't necessarily the – on a two-day's notice, right, is not the the, the easiest feat. And so, uh, you know, you're doing all that, and then you go out to Seattle, and you win, and you have a great trip, and then – they after the game they say, "Hey, you're going to Pittsburgh." Okay, well, flew home, went to Pittsburgh, and then you you you're in Pittsburgh, and you're playing Robert Morris, and you win again, and you're like, "All right, now you're going to Marshall." And so it's like the whole the whole week is a whirlwind, and all this is going on, and you know a lot of schools are done playing basketball, so you know it was just a it was a crazy week. Uh, we and we we played at Marshall in the quarterfinals and you know the next day you just come in and you're trying to wrap up some things for the end of the year and you know I, I coach we all, we all met at coach's house that night and he, he kind of told us that it was going to happen and uh, basically just you know pack your stuff up we're going to Boone North Carolina and so um, yeah like you're right like a, a lot of staffs um, you know aren't as fortunate you know, to go with the head coach and a, and a lot of coaches maybe don't bring their their whole staffs and stuff like that. And so, you know, I kind of went back to the the staff cohesion part. And so we we packed all of our stuff up and uh, we headed up on the boom. And, and so up until literally like 48 hours ago when when Pat Moynihan became the, the new head coach at Spartanburg Methodist uh, in Spartanburg, the, we, we had all been together. And so uh, that, that, that was looking on five, six years. Um, and so that's kind of what I mean by, by staff cohesion. Like some people can say that, but, you know, to put five years, six years, seven years with, with, with people uh, in the same group of people and the, the same staff meetings at 10 a.m. and the same recruiting meetings and all that stuff, uh, that, that's a really special deal. And so, um yeah, it, it's pretty cool. It, it's 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 very uncommon, especially in today's day and age, where uh, you know people kind of jump around and, and and move jobs and miss out of the other. So uh, that's been really cool. That's awesome. Did the players transfer before or after they found out Coach Kearns was leaving for App State? Because I know that obviously they had a lot of guys transfer out after that twenty one season. Yeah, they they left after. Cool. You know, Mountaineers won 18 games, the most since the 09-10 season, including 11 Sunbelt wins, which at the time was the most the program had since joining that conference. What do you attribute that immediate success to as far as players retained, players recruited, and or great coaching? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to say it was great coaching, right? Uh, I think everybody would like to, 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 to say that, but – Man, when we got there, we we had talent. Um, you know, we we had all conference player Justin Forrest, uh, Isaac Johnson was was on the fringe. Uh, O'Shawn Williams was a 
a good player who maybe hadn't had maybe a not I wouldn't say a chance. He just maybe 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 need a little bit a, a different voice. Uh, you know, kind of maybe to instill confidence a little bit. Hunter Seacat. We we had a good group, and uh, you know, we we when we got to App State, we recruited guys like Donovan Gregory, um, who who came in and were going to help kind of to to reshift culture and 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 kind of remake that from from the ground up, and so. You know, there's a lot of things. The, the talent it wasn't a problem. We we had good players, man. And, uh, you know, it's just sometimes kids need a different voice. And, you know, coach from day one came in and let guys play loose, free, and confident. And and he wanted that to be known from, from the jump, that this is how we were going to play. And, uh, and so, yeah. You start winning some games, and it's amazing how the confidence you know can rise. And so, uh, you know, Oshawn Williams, I, I can't remember the stats, but I think maybe he was averaging three points a game or something. And you know, he, our our first year together and his final year, I think he averaged ten points a game. He set the record for ten made threes in a game. He's still playing overseas right now and I was actually talking with him he's going to Atlanta and start working out uh the next couple of weeks and uh yeah and you want to just talk about just the the best kid man O'Shawn was you know he just needed a different voice and and coach Kearns was that voice and um you know guys like Justin Forrest hit some big shots that that year man he he, he hit game winner buzzer beater against Georgia Southern at home he hit the a step back against Texas State at home. He, he had a, another buzzer beer against Arkansas State. And so, uh, you know, like it, you'd like to come in and say it's all coaching, right? But uh, we had good players, and, and they just needed a, maybe a different voice. And, you know, that 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 was a lot of fun. And it, to be quite frank, it got cut short because uh, of the COVID deal at the end of it. But, um, you know, that was a fun group. We kind of We kind of learned it on the fly they were learning us we were learning them and um you know ultimately still talk to a lot of those guys and so uh and it's it's hard it's hard we had eight straight losing seasons at state before we got there and to win 18 games in year one uh you know that's 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 something to be proud of and, and we were certainly proud of that yeah first season you guys play michigan and nc state only losing by single digits in both games did those games in particular give you guys any sort of moral victories or prove that you could hang with the big boys uh, that on paper you would say have quote unquote superior talent? Yeah, Michigan especially, man. I think we were down like 26, 25, 24, something. We're down 20 something. You can you can fact check me after that. It, all the games start to run together, but I do remember we were down a bunch and uh you know, there was just a belief in one another, right? And so I think we got it down to three or four, two possessions uh, with a minute to go. And so, uh, yeah, obviously there are no moral victories, right? The moral, moral victories don't don't show up at the end of the year when, when people, fans ask you what your record was, right? But uh, I do think that that helped us come home and, and, and beat Charlotte at home and beat East Carolina at home uh, the following week. And so, you know – that's a tough thing, right? You, you, 
when you're when you're trying to uh, revamp a culture and kind of restart a program that has um, maybe not has had maybe not has had the the success that uh, it should have, you know, you you've got to take uh, every little thing you can and, and try to build on it. And so, uh, you know, obviously NC State was a close game too. I think Isaac Johnson went up for a dunk in the second half and got it was a flagrant foul. He hurt his back and he had a chance to. We could have just shut it down right there, right? And I, I think we 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 pulled within five or six a couple minutes to go. And so, um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough not to say that moral victories, you know, don't play a part and maybe some success down the down the line. But um, there's certainly things that you can you can always take from those games and and build on, um, especially towards league play. We had a really good uh, Sun Belt year and. Uh, and I'm sure that, that that was part of it. No question. You know, that second season, the Sun Belt schedule game was kind of back-to-back days in part because of COVID-19 and the pandemic. What was it like, and did that remind you at all of your playing days at DePaul, or did you guys uh, play, you know, a Tuesday-Saturday when you were in college? Yeah, so DePaul, we, played, we actually played Wednesday-Saturday, but we played doubleheader with the women, so – if the Paul and Denison were playing on Wednesday, both the, the men and women would go. And on Saturday, you know, maybe Wooster was coming to, to, you know, Greencastle. But, you know, it's funny. It's a, it's sort of a wild deal uh, when you play a team back to back like that with such a quick turnaround. And, um, man, we, we all kind of, and it, it wouldn't, nobody really had an advantage. Nobody had ever done that before. And so, you know, we tried to pick people's brains. We tried to pick, you know, volleyball plays back to back, baseball plays back to back, right? Like, and so, like, hey, what do you, what are you guys doing between? Are there any adjustments? And even still, that's a little different, right? Like, you got a different starting pitcher, or you know, you may throw out a different lineup, and and so, you know, for us, it was it was just kind of trying to learn as we go, and uh, you know, you have to be cognizant of what your guys can can handle and what your guys can kind of learn on the fly. But, you know, you also can't just, you know, if you lose on Friday, you can't just roll it out again on Saturday and say, here, here we go. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's a, it was a weird, it was a weird kind of deal. It was a weird conference schedule, obviously no fans. Um, in fact, at, at that time, this, the Sun Belt, you know, it's so spread out that the COVID restrictions were different in different places. So, you know, we were playing down in Alabama, you, you had 200, 300, 400 people there, which when you're playing a boom, there's only 25 people there and not really any of them making any noise. Like 400 people seems like a, a lot. So it was kind of a, you know, it's just kind of one of those deals. It's, it's, it's different. We'll look back on it. Well, we were looking back on it today, actually, uh, you know, just talking about it it'll always be sort of surreal and wow, I can't believe that happened. But uh, yeah, the back-to-backs were, were interesting, man. And all the logistics of it, and uh, you know, it's just different. You, you wear the, the road jerseys on Friday, you wear the home jerseys on Saturday and you try to get home without any positive COVID tests. So uh, a lot of people that are, that were in college athletics at that time know how hard it was. And, um, uh, 
you know, it is sport and there were a lot of other things going on. And so I don't want to make light of that, but there are a lot of things that happened that year and throughout all sports behind the scenes that never made it to ESPN plus or, you know, CBS or whatever. Right. That there are a lot of things that happened that uh, behind the scenes to, to, to make sure that those student athletes had the, had the best experience they could in, in kind of an unfortunate situation. Absolutely. You talked about kind of not having fans, having 25 at the home center. I mean, you guys have one of the most rowdy, and I mean that as a compliment, student sections I've ever been around. How difficult was it not to have that, you know, sixth man per se uh, for those home games? Yeah, it's a – yeah, I mean, the the people in the home center, they – it's a – App Nation is a, is a passionate group, and, um, you know, we're – we're growing year by year and we're, 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 you know, trying to make it a, a, a tough place to play. And a lot of people have said that, that Hey, when you go up the boom, like it's tough. Um, but it, it's, it's, it's just different. It's you, you, you walked out there and like you can hear the other coaches talking to their teams in the huddle. And like, you can, you don't want to say anything too loud on the bench or, you, you know, somebody's, mom in the stands will hear you and so uh you know it it was a little different it's a I think he kind of got used to it halfway through but you know obviously part of playing in college athletics and playing in a place like App State and and Boone North Carolina like the fans that 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 makes it you know fun and you know that for that year that was a that was kind of a bad deal and uh, and we, we were certainly super glad to, to get those people back in the home center last year. Mountaineers won four games in four days to win the program's first ever Sun Belt tournament title. Not many teams can string together four wins in four days. What's that approach and mindset like during such a long conference tournament? Yeah, man, you would talk about things that you'll never forget. Um, yeah, I would just go back to the the staff cohesion and just the total belief in in team and program and, and kind of all of the above. You know, it's a we, we our whole staff had the scout each night, and the only time we did any advanced scout, I think, you know, I think I had because it in during the COVID year, like you played all the teams on the East basically two times at, at home and two times on the road. So like you played those guys four times and then you only crossed over like once, maybe twice. And no, I don't even think we, we crossed over at all that year. And so, yeah, it, it was just weird because like you go to the conference tournament and now like you're playing, you're playing teams that you haven't played yet. So you know, we opened up with Little Rock, and we hadn't played Little Rock all year. And so you, you one of the most important games of the year, there's not really any familiarity with, with who you're playing. And you can watch all the film you want, but it's not like you got any play calls or it's not like you got any, hey, this is what. And so, uh, yeah, so we played two teams from the West. We, 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 we beat Little Rock, and then we we played Texas State, who was the number one seed. And 
the only advanced scouting we really did was I think I had the, the person, the, the player personnel done for, for Texas state. So that if we were fortunate enough to beat little rock, that we could at least have clips and a, you know, PowerPoint presentation ready to rock for just to get us started. Right. And, uh, but yeah, that, that whole night, man, we, we always had the late, the, the, the late game. And so seven 30, it's a late tip, and when you're playing in a conference tournament, and, and as nobody's played a 7:30 game in a conference tournament uh, that started actually at 7:30, so I think we started super late, and you know how it goes, right? Like you're in charge of all the meals and all this stuff, like post game meals an hour early because you got started late, and so, uh, but yeah, man, I think we slept a total of like 10 hours that weekend because you're it was all hands all deck, nobody nobody was above doing the little things, whether that was cutting up player personnel or, you know, clearing out the meeting room so that we could walk through some things because you play four games in four days, you're not leaving the hotel to do anything really because you're trying to conserve as much energy um, as possible. You got, you know, in, in you got managers that are running back and forth from, you know, Walmart to get more water, more Gatorade. Then you got, uh, kind of walk-ons like Brian Green, Andrew Muse were are on our team, but you know they're taping down a court um, because the house cleaning crew had tore it up because they didn't know what it was in the meeting room. Like, and, and you got two assistants on, you know, personnel, and you got another assistant on offensive actions, and you know, divvied up defensive actions. So like. Everybody was just all in it together, and that's and that's what it takes. And it's a little chaotic, but if you don't embrace it, you don't got a chance. And so, um, that's what was so cool about it. You know, it's you know we we spent hours in that meeting room in the Holiday Inn Express off I ten in Pensacola, uh, Lullaby Lane. I can tell you that right now. That's that's how many times I was ordering food and putting that into the. I I can still remember the bad dress and so uh yeah it takes a lot it takes everybody uh everybody rolling in the same direction and you know it's just like anything man you if you got belief in one another and you know you know ultimately that starts with the head coach but it, you know filters down throughout your systems and support staff and players you know one through 15 or whatever and that was a really cool weekend uh and, and something that you know the, the the people at App State, and especially uh, the people involved with with our team during that time, will we'll never forget. And so, you know, I, App State's been playing basketball 102 some odd years, right? And they've only been in the NCAA tournament three times. And so to be a be a part of one of those uh, is really cool. And, and you know, those banners will hang forever. So that was awesome. You talk about the NCAA tournament. You know, only third time in program history. What was your first taste of March Madness at the D1 level like, it, especially from a, a director of basketball operations perspective? Yeah, so, like, it's all, <laughs> you know, my at the Division One level, I've only been once, and it was during COVID, right? And so you go to one city, you go to Indianapolis, which was awesome for me. I say it was awesome. It, it, I didn't really get to do anything, but it was cool. It was all in one place. There's a little bit of familiarity, but – uh you know, it, there was just – there's so much extra stuff going on. Um, you know, you 
the the Sun Belt is one of the first tournaments that clinches a bid. So, you know that that whole next week, Coach Kearns is is on radio shows and podcasts, and he's calling in here, and he's got all these media responsibilities and stuff. And you know, with COVID going on, like you just never knew or and so you were trying to be super careful so we put our guys in a hotel off campus and you know you've got a a charter flight from from tri-cities to, to indianapolis and it's a 102 person or private jet and there's only 30 of you on there and you're like oh my goodness like th- this is this is nuts like and you're sitting like you had assigned seats on the bus and you had two buses and then you get on this giant plane and you're sitting like every other row and there's one person in this row and it's just like there's so many things looking back on it that if you've never been in any sort of operations role and I know you have and you've done everything from A to Z like this was like that times a million like and you show up and you got to take a you show up a couple days early and you take COVID tests every single day. You know, we, we show up and Ohio state's playing in the big 10 tournament in Indianapolis. And they just happen to still be in the hotel from the big 10 tournament. And so like you get there and Ohio state's in the lobby and you're walking in and, you know, Loyola Chicago's in the meeting room down the hall and you go downstairs to get breakfast and, and Roy Williams is standing there trying to get a bagel. And it's just like, what, in what world, like what, how surreal is this? Like you can't even get on the elevator. Like we were all on our own floor in the JW Marriott in downtown Indianapolis. And you can't leave unless you're going to practice. It's just, there's so many things that, that were just so extra, but, you know, going to play at assembly hall, you know, growing up in Indianapolis, you know, Indiana and, you know, Bob Nye and all that stuff, like playing in assembly hall uh, was really cool and going down there for practice and playing in the game and stuff. But it was a, it was different for sure. And, uh, you know, like I said, a a couple weeks stretch there that I'll never forget, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. And, you know, that's the goal, right. Is to get back as soon as possible. Uh, that, That the next time, you know, myself or the next time App State gets to the NCAA tournament then it's a little bit different and maybe get out and enjoy a little bit more than than what we did but it was still cool still awesome uh and it's it's so hard to get into man like if you're not a you know power five big six league like it's hard and so you get a a lot of people never make it there and so I I, I never took that for granted and uh really cool you know, in year three, the Mountaineers had the third consecutive winning season. Guys go 19-15, uh, finished in second in the Sun Belt with 12 wins, which was the most during the Sun Belt era for wins and conference wins. Did the staff feel like the standard had really been set at App State? I know you had mentioned, you know, eight straight losing seasons prior. Do you guys feel like, you know, that's kind of when you guys were established? Well, I mean, as soon as you think you, as soon as you think you're at the top of the mountain or you're established or you know you're entitled to wins, like that's as soon as you you, you don't get any more wins or you you don't win anything, right? And so, 
I don't think that work is ever done. Um, now, have the expectations changed? Absolutely. Has has the the our tenure at App State under under Dustin changed a hundred percent? And so, I think that that's more more of the angle. Um, I think that you know App State prior, um, you know, to the last couple of years, maybe didn't have those expectations and uh you know and and now that we've won and been to the NCAA tournament and um you know I, th I think you're striving to to raise the bar every single year and so you know as soon as you're satisfied that that's 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 when you know things don't go right and you know coaches got saying there there's two people that in this world there's there's people that are humble and there's people that are about to be humbled and so uh, you know, if you don't, you know, kind of take that approach and, and, and work every single day and, and, and kind of put in what it takes, then, then you, then you don't have a chance. And as soon as you think you're entitled to anything in this profession, in this game, uh, you, you get another thing coming. And so, uh, yeah, I would say expectations have changed, uh, but that doesn't mean that those expectations can't continue to grow. And, and, and to be honest, that's our goals are higher and they can, they continue to raise and um, you know, we're chasing those every single day. And so, you know, we, we, we have appreciated the work that we have done and that's collectively staff, players, program, school, et cetera. But we can appreciate that while also, uh, you know, kind of being hungry for more and, and wanting to do more, right? Wanting wanting to take that that next step, and so you know we've got a mantra: take the stairs, and um, there are no shortcuts to the top. And so you've got to take it stair by stair, and uh, you got to roll up your sleeves and work a little bit. And um, you know, for us, that's a daily approach. And uh, like I said, as soon as you think you made it, uh, you get another thing coming. And so uh, you know doing extra work and, and paying attention to the finer details doesn't necessarily allow you to, to, to win all the time, but it, but it gives you the best chance. And so, um, you know, that's kind of what App State basketball is about, and that's what it will continue to be about. Oh, very well said. You know, like most mid-majors, you know, you guys got to play a few guarantee games. You, know, you play second-rate Duke and then play North Carolina five days later. What was it like to coach in those historic venues against future NBA players and facing Coach K in his final season? Yeah, I mean, that was cool, man. Like, you know, state of North Carolina, right? The, the Blue Bugs, Duke, North Carolina. Uh, obviously, Coach K and his farewell tour. And, you know, my, my mom and dad and I had some other family come down from Indianapolis and, and you know, and so to, to, to share that moment with them was, was really cool. Uh, you know, but it's just a, it's a, it's a wild thing. You, you watch them on TV. Uh, you understand the history, you appreciate the history and you show up to Cameron indoor and, you know, you show up to the Dean dome and, you know, the, all that stuff kind of goes out the window, right? Like you're there, like, and we're here to win. Like we're here to compete. We, it's not. It's, it's just basketball, right? We, we're all playing the same game, and so, 
uh, yeah, but it was still awesome. Like you can appreciate those venues and, and those and all the history that's come with it. Um, you know, and, and for me to, to have a, you know, a seat on the sideline and, and, you know, shoes on the floor for that was, was really cool and something that I'll always remember. And so, yeah, coach K Hubert Davis, um, you know, really cool stuff. And then, you know, playing against guys like Paolo Bancaro who, you're watching film on him and you're like, man, I've got no idea how we're going to guard him. And then uh, you see that not only does nobody else in the NCAA know how to guard him, but then he wins rookie of the year and you're like, okay, you know, maybe I don't feel as bad anymore, but uh, you know, that was really cool. And uh, just awesome places, a lot of history. Uh, and if somebody's grown up around basketball can appreciate that. That was, a, that was a really cool deal. You know, this past season, you guys beat Louisville at the Yum Center for the program's first win over a Power Five since, I think, 2014. What was that celebration in the locker room like after that big win? Uh, yeah, I mean, awesome. Uh, anybody that, you know, has played in and been a part of some of those games uh, can can tell you that it's awesome. Uh, just – Walking off the floor and knowing that, you know, there's all kinds of banners in the Yum Center now. Like Louisville's winning like natties. And so, uh, you know, to, to, to beat a program like Louisville um, was was awesome. And it, it's it's pure joy, excitement, a lot of hard work uh, by a lot of people. And, um, you know, it's – you, you don't just trip over the sidewalk and, and beat a team in the ACC, right? And so um, it, it was cool. It, w- it was really cool to, to share that moment with our players, to know that that, that moment will, um, you know, be well-documented in App State basketball moving forward. And uh, anytime you can beat a team in the ACC, uh, it's, a, it's a good day in my book. The Muse family has a, a reunion of sorts uh, when App State plays at Wake Forest uh, this past season. How neat was it to have a walk-on student manager face off against their uncle who's on staff at Wake, who's also an App alum? Had that game been in the works kind of as a homecoming for uh, Andrew and Aaron? Yeah, I mean, it, it's super cool. Uh, I don't 100% know how it all came to fruition. I know it had something to do with our first year at App, we played at ETSU, uh, kind of revamped that old SoCon rivalry when, when Coach Forbes was there. And uh, I think he always sort of respected that because they had a really good team. They won 30 games that year. And so um, he always respected that Coach would was ready to play the best of the best and didn't care about some of that stuff. And so um, – you know, going going to Winston Salem and with the Muses, you want know, to talk about, you know, a family that embodies App State basketball and and just the the perfect example of the uh, servant leadership and putting the team above the, the team's needs above any of your own you know personal goals and stuff like that. Um, you know, the the Muse family is a is a is awesome, man. It's from top to bottom. Andy and you know their their dad, Andy, is a high school coach. Um, obviously, their mom, Gina, matriarch of the family, keeps everybody in line. 
Uh, Adam's a, a high school coach at, at, at Reagan. And so, uh, you know, for for the Muse family to have that sort of uh, recognition uh, for that night uh, what was really cool and the hometown and all that stuff. And so Andrew and Aaron were, were, were vital parts, uh, you know, basically the the revamp of, of App State basketball the last couple of years. Andrew is a walk-on, Aaron is a manager. And, uh, you know, they both left an impact on and off the court in their own different ways. And so that was really cool. Um, obviously, we can't thank the, the Muse family enough. And, um, you know, Andrew just got a new uh, graduate assistant spot at Wichita State for, for Coach Paul Mills, so he'll do a great job there. And, um Aaron's got some student teaching to finish up, and I think he's going to go help his brother, uh, Adam, at, at Reagan High School. And so, uh, great example, great coaching family, uh, you know, and we'll 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 miss him for sure uh, next year, trying to fill some gaps. But uh, we know that they're on to bigger and better things. Absolutely. This past season, you know, team lost some close games. Uh, finishing 16 and 15, uh, nine and nine overall in league play. How difficult was that? Just based on, like you said, the expectations that have been raised because of the success you guys had. And again, those games, you know, could have gone either way, uh, having so many close games where, you know, you guys could have won over 20 games. Uh, ball bounces a different way. Yeah, I think it's always, um, just kind of learning and, and going through the process, right? It's not – success isn't always um, linear. You're not always going to increase win totals from year to year. Uh, but it, this year kind of served as an opportunity for us to learn and um, kind of get better at some things that that maybe allow us to get over the hump uh, to, to, to make some strides. And so um, that's just not on the court. That's off the court as well in recruiting, uh, preparation, and – and things like that. So we have, uh, we've kind of looked ourselves in the mirror as a staff and as the program and um, we, not everything was bad this year. Right. But there, there are things that you can, you can improve on and, uh, and we will uh, sort of make those adjustments and, and kind of go from there. But uh, we, we, we're in the middle of that. We're, we're doing some learning. We're, we're, we're um, watching a little bit more, film of some different things uh kind of strategy wise and um and so you know that start that starts with us as as the as the staff and and uh you know when our guys get back to the campus uh in july for summer school you know they'll uh they'll see a little bit of a a, a change in, in that sort of approach and we'll uh we'll take our best shot next year i love it what are your ultimate coaching aspirations? And when all said and done, how will you judge whether or not you were a successful coach or not? Oh, that's a loaded question. Um, yeah, I, I'm I obviously want to be an assistant coach. Uh, I want to be a head coach. Uh, I don't. I don't think that you know you, you've got to you've got to be pretty good, um, kind of at the bottom of the totem pole, so to speak. Uh, to work to work your way up, and uh, you know that that takes time and that takes patience, and you know the 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 comparison game is a thief of joy, 
And so sometimes um, you see different people uh, that you worked with and uh, or played against, competed against, whatever, and getting different jobs. And so everybody's kind of, you know, running their own race, so to speak. And, you know, for me, I've had the uh, ability and I've been fortunate enough to to kind of be a little bit more patient with that, given that Boone, North Carolina is an awesome place to live. Appalachian State is an awesome university. I work with really good people, uh, Bob Zork, Frank Young, like I said, Pat Moynihan, Raheem Martin, uh, and I, I work for a boss and Dustin Kearns that you know, I'd go to go to battle for any day of the week. And so when, when you work for good people and you work with good people, uh, it's it, it makes it really hard to, to jump at any opportunity or anything like that. So, um, you know, I've been I've been fortunate enough to, to, to kind of be able to be patient with that. Uh, that. But that's not to say I don't want to be an assistant. I want to be a head coach. Uh, and, and I know that. I have to continue to to put the work in uh, towards that, and so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure that those opportunities will come along. Uh, you just got to kind of trust the process a little bit and and keep working. So, um, you know, as far as what would I judge myself as being successful, like just the impact I can have on student athletes and and the people that I work with and work around. Um, you know, it doesn't cost anything to be a nice person. It doesn't cost anything to to say hi to the people and administration when, you know, you got to take care of some logistical things behind the scenes. It doesn't cost anything to open the door or, or you know, get to know the, the softball coach or the assistant volleyball coach or, you know, you know or even show up to a, a tennis match or a, or a baseball game, right? And so um, – you know, those little things, you know, if I can have an impact uh, around the university or the college that I'm working for and ultimately the, the people that I work with, then uh, I I consider that a success, right? And so, um, you know, obviously everybody wants to win. Everybody, everybody wants to win as much as possible. Uh, but uh, to me, if you don't do some of those other things, you, you may not have an opportunity to, to win those games. So, um yeah, just taking a day at a time. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to do the best job I can, uh, you know, being where my feet are. And, you know, at the end of the day, App State wins a lot of games. I'm a happy camper. So uh, that's kind of the perspective I've got. And uh, it's gotten me this far and hopefully continue to get me to, to, to new and, and cool places. I love that answer. And you touched on it a little bit in that answer, but with all the changes in college basketball, what drives you to stay in the profession of college basketball? Oh man, I love the game. Uh, I love the ability to be around kids that love the game. Uh, I like meeting new people. Uh, I like interacting with, you know, people around the program and, and maybe parents and getting to see, you know, building relationships with those types of people that I, I wouldn't normally uh, get to build relationships with. Uh, I love to compete, uh, you know, being a part of Appalachian State University and being a Mountaineer is, is way bigger than anything that, that I could do by myself. 
And so uh, I really appreciate that uh, and the camaraderie with, with the people I work with. And so uh, you show up every day and it, it doesn't feel like a job, then, then you're probably in the right spot. So, you know, in, in along, along those lines, like you get to meet really cool people, even when you're competing against them. Uh, you, you get to meet people in different walks of life, uh, different parts of the world, and 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 you kind of get a gain perspective. Uh, not only the kids you coach, or the people you work with, but the people you 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 coach and, and play against. And so, I've always appreciated that. Uh, you know, basketball has taken me all over the world. Uh, I spent two and a half weeks in Ireland when I was in college. You know, coaching basketball. I've been all over. We've had foreign tour trips to Canada and the Bahamas, and you know I've got the you know coaching places like Pauley Pavilion and you know the Dean Dome and Assembly Hall and Hinkle Field House and and UD Arena and all that stuff. So, you know, I've been a I've been a part of of a lot of cool things with basketball, and it's it's a lot of it's brought a lot of cool people into my life and. Um, and so that's sort of a long answer, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what keeps me going every single day and uh, continue to drive me to, to be the, the best version of, of a coach I can. Coach, we've come to the segment I call start bench cut. I'll give you three things. You start one, bench one, and cut one. Okay. Uh, Nike, Adidas, Under Armour. Ooh, start Nike. Uh, we'll bench. Adidas and we'll cut on armor, but the last two are a tie for last. It's Nike above all the, all the other ones. Just out of curiosity, uh, what brand is uh, App State? Nike. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, yeah, and and that's an ad for for Nike and App State, and Nike Elite, and all that stuff. But those other two, I don't know about that. Bojangles Cookout Chick Fil A. Oh. Man, I will go Chick Fil A one because I'm a Midwestern at heart. I'll say Cookout, and then we'll go Bojangles. Although, yeah, you can't go wrong with with Cookout or Bojangles, and and but like I said, Chick Fil A that that was a that was a staple in the Faye household growing up. So I'm going there. Sports code synergy fast model. Oh, let's go Synergy, Sports Code, and then Fast Model. Just because Synergy, I can get to anywhere at any time. I can watch any clips uh, of whoever, and I can pull that up in an instant. Uh, and then I'm, I'm pretty good with Sports Code, as, as most people are. But we'll go, we'll go one, two, and then Fast Model third. Movies, Hustle, He Got Game, Air. Uh, this is gonna make me sound really bad. I haven't seen any of those. I I know hustle is. It, I think that's Adam Sandler, so I like that one. Although I had a couple buddies text me, Air was really good, and then I've never seen He Got Game, so I'm over three. We're starting nobody. Hey, I'm not even editing that question out. That's how <laughs> dedicated and hardworking you are. Is the fact that you don't have time to watch movies like I do. Hey, you know what? I don't know if it ha- I don't have time. I just I haven't seen those, so I'm over three. Sorry. Last one, coach. Hoop dirt, verbal commits, transfer portal. Oh, I got a love hate relationship with the transfer portal. So we'll go. 
We'll go verbal commits because it gives me a head start on the transfer portal. And then we'll go hooper and then the transfer portal. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> Who are three guests I should have on the podcast? Oh. That's a good one. Uh, let me think about that for a second. We got to gotta get some different perspectives on here. I got a former manager. His name's Michael Irvin. He's an assistant coach at Catawba Valley Community College. He's an entertaining little cat. He's not very good at manager games. And you can tell him I said that, and he gets really mad about that. Uh, you should have him on. That'd be a good perspective. Hey, we'll just go. We'll just go straight JUCO route, because you want you want to have some good stories. Let's uh let let's go that route. So you, you can go Michael Irvin at Catawba Valley Community College, North Carolina. Uh, go Kyle Pugh, who's now at Hutchinson Community College. He was a former GA at Jacksonville. He and I never worked together, but he replaced me, and then I had to listen to how much better he was at being a GA than I was uh, from everybody at Jacksonville. And then we'll go Trey Rakes at Three Rivers Community College. Trey and I got to become buddies. He was at Coastal Carolina uh, and just an overall good dude, really hard worker, won a lot of games, good player. Uh, so we'll go straight JUCO route. And you can put hashtag uh, JUCO or at JUCO Advocate. Maybe give me some points with Brandon Goble while you're at it uh, on the on the tweet. But uh, – yeah, we'll go straight JUCO uh, for that round. I love it. Coach, I'm sure as a, an ops guy like myself, it, you get hit up all the time, you know, potential GAs or uh, future managers. What's the best way for somebody to stick out and make a, a great impression uh, when trying to become either a, a GA or a student manager? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. And that's kind of the age old question, right? We, uh, you know, you're right. We get a we get a ton of emails, man. I get a ton of emails, and I get a ton of DMs, and I uh, and I'm I try to answer them all uh, because I like I said I was I did that you did that. Uh, man, the best thing I I could say is just find a connection, find a way in, find something, find a degree or two of separation. Um, and it only takes a couple minutes worth of research and for you to get creative uh, when you do that. So, you know, hey, you know, my I saw that you're from Indianapolis and you, you went to Ron Colley High School. Well, my aunt went to Ron Colley High School, um, class of whatever. Like, it doesn't have to be this super elaborate deal, but just – it's it's really hard, and 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 I'm not making light of that. It's really hard, but sending cold emails um, may get you a phone call, may not, may get you a response, it may not. But if you can find some way, find a hook, find something in common. Hey, you played for the North Carolina, whoever. North Carolina blue AU team. I did too. I I played I played there for for three years. Like, just find a way uh, to 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 make a connection. And 
I'm not saying that it'll always help. That'll at least get your your foot in the door. Uh, that'll at least get you on the phone. Uh, you know, I would try and stay away from reaching out to head coaches and maybe even assistant coaches uh, because, quite frankly, they got enough going on and they're, they're not going to be the ones who help bring you to the light or bring you to the table anyways uh, unless you've got a really strong connection. But that'll probably usually fall on deaf ears. So email other GAs, email the ops guy, uh, uh, email video coordinator, trying to find a hook. You know, like I said earlier, I worked a bunch of camps. That's an easy way, man. That's an easy four days to get in front of other kids that are trying to uh, do what you're doing. And, uh, you know, you may not get a job with that school that you go to work camp for, but you never know that you, you might be working with a GA from a different school who becomes an ops guy and he needs a GA. And so, uh, that, that would be the easiest thing. I'd also just say, like, don't ever put your nose up, turn your nose up to to level or anything like that because, you know, it. there's a lot of experience to be had, and, and the more that you can do, um, the, the, the better off you, you, you got a chance of, of being really good at what you do, and uh, it allows you to, to be a little bit more versatile and have uh, yeah. more experience doing, you know, X, Y, and Z. And so um, – I would say, yeah, that that would be the easiest way. If if you're looking to be a GA, find a hook. Don't get discouraged when you don't get an answer right away, and just trying to keep being unique when it comes to that sort of stuff. I love it, Coach. If listeners want to get in touch with you, email, social media, what have you, what's the best way? Yeah, so my email. Uh, and you can look this up on the website is Faye Epson Fred E Y B S at appstate.edu. Um, I'm pretty good with my email. Shoot me one. Uh, would love to connect. My social media is just Bradley Faye. I'm not trying to set any awards for creativity on, on Twitter, Instagram, or any of that stuff. So uh, yeah, just shoot me a DM or a text or whatever, and or an email, and we can we can text, call, whatever, and and kind of go from there, but, uh, you know, podcasts like this really help, man. And, and it's, I appreciate you having me on and all that stuff. And, you know, you're, you're kind of doing the Lord's work at the moment and, uh, you've, you've always been a champion of that. So I really appreciate you. You have me on and, and hopefully, you know, if, if, if what I said helps one or two people, I, th- I think that that was a good, good hour well spent. No question. Coach, it was an honor to have you on the podcast. And look forward to uh, seeing you continue to do big things. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Box Score podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, leave reviews, and rate five stars.